Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Would you stand with me, please? Are you glad that he is breaking every chain? Amen. There's numbers of you that I am sure can say that you know already that he has broke chains in your life. Amen. I remember when I was bound and I know how I feel free and I am so glad to be free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. I do want to share with you that the Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And we're preaching today about this Jesus, the Word. And that's how chains fall. They do not fall because it's just a good idea. Because the devil will fight your good idea. Come on now. But he, I want to tell you that chains fall because of the power that is in Jesus Christ. Someone say amen to that. Amen. Amen. I, uh, today I want to give you a little forewarning that... This message today can be, uh, if you want to take it as a message of rebuke, it can be taken as a rebuke. If you want to take it as instruction, which you ought to, the Bible says a wise person accepts instruction. Uh, this is burning in my spirit today. I'm preaching on the power of God's word. And the devil doesn't want this message to go out. I can assure you the devil does not want this message to go out. Chains will fall if you're into the word. Protection and a blessing and anointing comes through the word. The word of God. So I need your prayers that God will help me to deliver this and that you will receive as well as me uh, the, the word of God that it will dwell in us powerfully. The, the uh, text today is um, from Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and just part of it, and I want this to be uh, what you take home with you. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. With boldness. Father God, I pray that you would anoint us. And allow your spirit to move through us in a special way. Lord, your anointing is on us, and we recognize that. But now, dear Father, I pray that there would be a flow of the spirit, a mighty move of your hand, a mighty move of your power. And I ask it to happen here today in a mighty and powerful way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Just before service... Um, I, I uh, pointed out to some men that we have a number of orphans in the church. We have a number of homeless in the church. And it isn't homeless people, and it's not orphan people. It's orphan Bibles and homeless Bibles. These Bibles have been left, uh, and we, we collect 
Well, we didn't put out a bulletin that we're collecting, but we have been collecting Bibles here. I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure what to do with an orphan Bible. Now, I told you you could take it as rebuke or you could take it... Uh, some of you might have left one of these. Some of you might say, it wasn't me because mine's at home collecting dust. I hadn't even picked it up and... <laughs> I know where mine's at. It's on the coffee table. This right here is a testimony. And I'm not saying all of these Bibles are testimony. But I'm saying a lot of these Bibles are a testimony that's what's happening in our world today. When the Word of God is not precious to you. When the Word of God is not precious to me. I, I just want to tell you, I would search high and low if I lost my Bible. Um, years ago, I was preaching at a church and someone must have picked up my Bible. And I had notes in it. I had my personal notes in it. And that Bible is gone. I have no idea. I tried to find it. Couldn't find it. And even, this, that's probably been over 20 years ago. And it's probably been over 30 years ago. And I still yearn for that Bible. Because it was part of me. Now... I've been reading a book that is talking about our society today, and bear with me as I lay a foundation to this message. And one of the problems that we're having to, in our society today is that the Word of God is no longer considered authoritative. The Word of God is considered good reading, um, helpful reading, but it is not the authority okay and the further I get into this message hopefully you'll understand why the Word of God must be embraced as a authoritative now I'll just be honest with you if the Bible is not the Word of God what we need to do is close this place down and all go out to eat and just have ourselves a little party and forget church because if the Bible is not the Word of God, everything else is a farce. If the Bible is not the Word of God, there is no heaven. There is no hell. There is no Jesus. If the Bible is not authoritative Word of God. I want to ask every dad. Now, I, I brought my cell phone up here. I have, I have two... Uh, different Bible versions on this right here. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I think I have about 20 different Bibles on there. Likewise with my iPad. I have no problem. In fact, I do a lot of my Bible reading off of my iPad. Um, I'm able to scroll and it's comfortable for me, but it does not take the place of this book. It just doesn't. I'm going to ask every dad to make sure that you come to church with a Bible and that your family comes with a Bible, a Bible in hand. 
If your children want to read off of their iPad or their phone, good. But I want them to have a Bible. I want them to have a Bible where they can mark scriptures, where they can put special events in it. Um, do you, maybe when God spoke to you about deliverance and, and you can write it in your Bible, this is the scripture where I got my healing. This is the scripture where I got my deliverance. This is the scripture we used at, at our wedding. This is the scripture that was read when I was at my lowest hour. Uh, this is what gave me hope when I felt in despair. Mark your Bible. Let it be. Dads, I'm asking you to leave your family. You, I want to make sure that we are Bible toters. Now, toting your Bible, toting your Bible won't get you to heaven. I've got a Bible so big, I, it's an old 1611, it's a, it's a replica, 1611, the thing is huge. I, I, toting that didn't get me anything. Might have given me a hernia, I had hernia surgery. You know, uh, uh, toting your Bible doesn't mean that that uh, you're not going to go through temptations and trials and battles. Toting your Bible doesn't mean that uh, you, you're going to be saved because you tote a Bible. But it makes a statement. It makes a statement. Dads, I'm here today to ask you to lead your family and say, even if it's a little New Testament, give your children the word of God and, and teach them that this is a book that they must embrace. This is a book that will give them the roadmap to success through life. And that's something that I just can't stress enough. Now, I'm going to ask, I, I need three people to come up here, three in the audience. I want you to come up here if, if you were here during the announcements. Come up here real quick. I need your help. Just come up very fast. I keep dropping things here today. Ah. All right, I'm getting frustrated. If you'll hold that, if you'll hold that. And there it is. Here's a pen. Y'all all face that way. Look that way. Look that way. All right. Here you go. All right. Brother Johnny Houston got up and gave a missions uh, announcement. I would like for you very quickly to write down how tall is Johnny Houston. Okay. If you would, the second one is I want you to, uh, what color, or pardon me, what side did he part his hair on? There's a reason for all this. Okay, what color was the tie that he was wearing? And what color shoes did he have on? Okay, and if you just put your name there where. <laughs> we'll give that to Johnny and let him slap who he needs to slap. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all may be seated. I'll bring you the results of this in just a little bit. 
All right. And y'all did exactly what I needed you to do. How did we get the Bible? Now listen to this. God could have sent down the Bible, bound it in, brown, in black leather and gilded edges, sewn with silk, with every word printed in indelible India ink. But he chose instead to give it to us in a way that was so unique that it is one of the outstanding evidences of its supernatural origin. Listen, God used 40 men to write the Bible. And that sounds pretty impressive, 40 different people writing. But they wrote it over a 1500 year period. Over 1500 years. They inscribed God's word on sheepskin and goatskin, papyrus and parchment. It was written in different settings. Uh, five books were written uh, in the wilderness in the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, the, that's the first five books of the Bible. And four of, of Paul's writings were written from prison. And Daniel wrote from the courts of Babylon. Some of the Psalms were written as David kept sheep in the, on the hills of Judea. And it was originally written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Yet when you read the Bible as a whole, recorded over all those years by so many different men, written under so many different conditions, you will find that it tells one story, and it follows one theme, and it bears one author, and it is absolutely correct in all of its writings, and that is how God gave us the Word of God. It's amazing. Now, we had three people that just a little while ago, this man came up and gave a missions announcement. One said he was five foot ten, one said he was five foot nine, one said he was five foot four. All right. One said he parted his hair on the right, one said on the left, and another one said on the right. Neither, none of them are right. What color was his tie? One said blue, another one said blue, another one said blue. I don't think they got that right either, do you? And what color shoes did he have on? All three said black. <laughs> Yet still over 1,500 years, 40 different people wrote, and everything they wrote tied together. Many of them did not even know the other one. They were dead before the next one came along. Yet still, under the anointing of God, he gave them the ability to write this powerful book. See, the Bible is not a science book, but it is scientifically accurate. Now I'm getting ready to bust some real bubbles right here. I think if you smoke enough dope, if you get drunk enough, or either someone hits you hard enough in the head, you can believe in flat earth. Must be a lot of flat earthers out there. That thing went over. 
But God, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 28, he addressed that. And he, he talks about the horizon of the ocean and the word that he used in the Hebrew indicates a circular, the horizon. And then it gets even more in depth in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. In the eighth century BC, Isaiah wrote that God is seated above the circle of the earth. Come on now. And, and Job, the oldest book of the Bible, written in 2000 BC, stated that God hung the earth on nothing. Now, that might not seem like much to us because we're a group of intellectuals. And, 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 but, but people used to believe that, that uh, it was supported on Atlas, a man was underneath the earth holding it up. And people used to believe that. Some though, went a little bit further and, and, and they believed that a big giant elephant stood on the back of a giant turtle and when the elephant wiggled, it caused an earthquake. But God had settled that already. He said, I hung it on nothing. We have satellites now that look down and guess what? There's no strings attached. God was right. The earth is suspended on nothing because God said it that way. My Lord God, help us today. Now, of course, the scientists, the professors, the teachers, and the filmmakers will tell you that the biblical accounts of creation have been proven to be a myth. We are... We have evolved through a series of beneficial accidents and mutations that have resulted in all the different species we see today. As one poet put it this way, once I was a tadpole beginning to begin, then I was a frog with my tail tucked in, then I was a monkey in a buy-in tree, and now I am a professor with a PhD. <laughs> Isn't it a shame that with all of our technology and with all of our learning and with all of our blessings that we have, we still have folks who just somehow refuse to believe that there is a God and God is still in control and God still did do things the way that the Word of God <laughs> declares it to be. Archaeological evidence goes, uh, the, the more they dig, the more they confirm that the Bible is true. Uh, many times the archeologists, they're not digging to, to try to prove themselves. They're trying to prove that the word of God is wrong and that, uh, that God really isn't real. But the more they dig, the more that their evidence comes back and says it, it, what the word of God said is true. Eyewitnesses accounts uh, throughout history, historians, not Bible writers, 
historians have written and those writings confirm that what God said is true, where it happened is true. And, and it just goes on and on. We have experts that constantly are trying to disprove that this book is accurate, but every time it always comes to naught. The leaders accept, a majority of the greatest leaders and thinkers in history have affirmed the truth and the impact of the Bible. Listen to what this uh, great man said. I believe that the Bible is the best gift God has ever given man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. But, but for it, we could not know right from wrong. That was written by Abraham Lincoln. I just want to tell you, we have a move today in our country that we don't want to embrace God. Take the Ten Commandments out of courtrooms. Try to get in God we trust off of our coins. And, and they say that it is uh, not constitutional and that these folks did not embrace. But I just want to tell you, when you go back and just look at history, you'll see that our forefathers believed that this book was more than a good piece of literature. They knew that if we founded on this, that our country could be strong and that we would be a great nation. God help America to still be one nation under God and let us be a people that believe that God's word is true and powerful and still rich. Amen. See statements consistent with astronomy. The Bible frequently refers to the great number of stars in the heavens and in Genesis chapter 22 it talks about it in Jeremiah chapter 33 but uh, astronomers have now come to the point where the, the more that they try to count what is out there they, they get to a point where there is no number and so even they the great scientists the great astronomers are saying we just have a great number of stars isn't that amazing that's what God said if you could count them you could and if you could count the grains of sand in the seashore that you can know how I'm going to bless Abraham. You would know what his blessing would be. God was saying you can't count it. It's so vast. And, and here today the astronomers are saying we can't count what God put in this great creation. The Bible also teaches us that every star is unique. And, and it was known long before it was scientifically confirmed. Uh, we, we are today embracing a book that is not just paper and ink it is a book that is life it is a book that is direction it is a book that is help and you and I need to embrace it to establish here, here's another little thing scientifically uh, to establish a weight for the wind now I'll, I'll be honest with you I didn't know that wind had weight but the fact that air has weight has proven scientifically only about 300 years ago yet still the Word of God had established that in the scripture scientists came along 300 years ago and said hey we have we now realize that that wind has weight well where have they been undoubtedly they didn't go to Sunday school either. 
That's a good plug. If you're not going to Sunday school, hallelujah, go. Amen. I still go to Sunday school. I still believe in learning the Word of God. Amen. That's a little side thing. Uh, I, I could talk to you about biology, and I could talk to you about uh, the, the chemical nature of the flesh. All of this was established in the Word of God, and it is a proven fact that a person's mental and spiritual health is strongly correlated to, um, with physical health if you are spiritually strong. The Bible revealed this to us in these statements written by King Solomon in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. Listen, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is rottenness in his bones. If there's strife in the home, if there's complexity and, and issues in the home, it becomes rottenness to the bone. In other words, it makes a person weary. In Proverbs 14 and 30, a sound heart is life in the body. Do you know what that's talking about? It's talking about a stress-free, stress-free. God was saying uh, a sound heart, a stress-free heart is life to the body. In Proverbs chapter 15, the light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart. A good report makes the bones healthy. Proverbs 16 and 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. I want to tell you, get into the word of God and have happy bones. Amen. Get into the word of God and have life. Look, Life is going to deal you some, some, some curves. Life is going to beat you down. There's going to be problems. And, and the devil wants to keep you stressed down and, and worried and, and, and beaten up. But the word of God can bring life. More to be desired are they than words. Talking about the word of God. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter than honey. And honey... And the honeycomb. And, and then uh, I, I don't have time to keep going into uh, anthropology and, and, and uh, hydrology and, and, and uh, the recirculation of water. All of that, all of that was established way back when in the Old Testament God talked about how water cycled and, and science has proven all that. But I just want to tell you, it, I didn't need a scientist to come along and tell me that it was true. The word of God is true whether a scientist ever comes around or not. Amen. I, I hear people, if we could just find the ark, uh, we would know that God's word is true. Listen, I believe God's word is true. Why do I believe God's word is true? I don't need the ark. I don't need a piece of the cross. I, I don't need the Ark of the Covenant. I don't need Noah's Ark. I don't need any of that because I got all the evidence I needed. One day I went down to an altar and I prayed to a God I couldn't see, but he forgave me of my sins. When I got up from there, I was a different man. I know it's for real. The word of God changes men and women's lives and it, he will change your life through his word. Someone say amen. amen. 
Oh my goodness, there's so much I could go through. The shape of the earth, the crust of the earth, uh, statements on uh, physics and the roundness of the earth and atmospheric uh, circulation. God deals with all of that, but we must embrace it and it must become our absolute. It must become our absolute. Now here's what the move is in our day. People are not embracing even the creation. So it, it, it tears down the very foundation. Uh, people are, are, are saying it's no way. It's just amazing to me. Honestly, it's absolutely amazing to me that people believe that an amoeba can get too close to the surface of the water and the sunlight hit it and caused it to blister and it makes an eyeball. And then from there, we evolved. I, I mean, come on. I don't, I, honestly, I just don't even know how a person, first of all, where did the water come from? Second of all, where'd the sun come from? Where did the amoeba come from? Come on, and, and, and why an eyeball? To me, it would have made more sense if something was going to pop up off of the amoeba. A brain would have been a good thing to start with. Amen. But yet still there's people who will march around and they will, they will declare their position off of something as ridiculous as that. And we are ashamed of the word of God. I'm here today to tell you I'm a Bible carrier. I don't mind people knowing that I believe every word in the book is true. What can the word of God do for you? Here's what the word of God can do. I, I just want to tell you, I, I have just so much more that I could share and sometimes it's a it's a frustrating because there's so much that I want to tell you about the word how how pure it is how accurate how deadly accurate it is right on there there's not what I love about the Word of God, it's not like horseshoes and it's almost right. It is right. Uh, what I love about it is way back in the Old Testament that God started prophesying through men about a Savior that would come. He prophesied that not only a Savior would come, but that the Savior would be virgin born. Not only that he would be virgin born, but even gave where on earth he would be born. And then the Bible says, and when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. I just want to tell you that the, the, all the prophecies came to pass and they're accurate. And this is another sermon, but I feel like I need to throw it in. Uh, 
If you look at all of those prophecies and how they have come to pass and how accurate they are, there is some prophecies still left to be fulfilled and one of them is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and he is coming and we can count on it because the word of God is true. But what can the word of God do? In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is sharp and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is a sharp and powerful. When you gave your heart to the Lord, you know what had happened? The sword of the spirit, the word of God had gone in. That's what made you feel, hey, I'm not right with God. That's, I, I'm, I'm not where I need to be, I'm lost. It was because that word was able to cut through and get to your spirit. The word of God is alive and it's powerful and we need that. Romans chapter 10 verse 12 tells us, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God, get word in you. Now I'm getting ready to, I need everyone to listen very closely on this. Why we are losing battles oftentimes is because we do not have word in us. When you're battling depression and you don't have anything to fight with, when you're battling a spiritual warfare and you don't have anything to fight with, it's kind of like going out to a fight and you have no gun, you have no sword, you have no weaponry. You're out there, you're just hoping to make it. But the word of God empowers you. I'm, I'm begging you, I'm begging you as a pastor, get word in your spirit. Get word, that's what the devil doesn't want to happen. But if it happens, you're gonna be able to fight him off. Jesus fought in the wilderness when the devil tempted him. He fought with the word. He said, it is written. He used the word to fight the enemy. Now I wanna tell you a little personal story. I, and I've said this before, but bear with me, those of you who have heard it, but years ago when we were pastoring at Irmo, I had never experienced uh, depression. I, I'm, I'm a pretty even-keeled guy, and, and, and uh, I, I didn't even know how to relate to people who would get down and depressed, because I had never felt it like that. And, and all of a sudden, I don't even know what brought it on, but I started feeling this deep depression in me. While I was in church and the anointing would be on me to preach, I would be rejoicing in my spirit going, oh, hallelujah, thank you, God, the depression is gone. But about 20 or 30 minutes after service, when that anointing would lift off of me, I would feel that depression come back on me. And, and, and God put it in my spirit, get word in you, get word in you. Now, you might say, well, you're a preacher, you had word, but I knew I had to do something additional. And, and so on the way to school, I would take Julia to school and I'd say, Julia, sing. She didn't know what I was asking her to do, but I wanted her singing 
spiritual songs to me. I wanted to get word in my spirit through songs. I, I, I started picking out scriptures that, that were uplifting and I'd carry them around and I would read them and I started feeding my spirit and I found myself mounting up with strength. I wasn't fighting. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I had to get word in me. When I got that word built back up in me, when I fought against the enemy, instead of saying, devil, get away from me. I rebuke you, devil, get away from me. I started quoting scripture. I started letting him know I have read the back of the book and I know that one day he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. I, I started declaring to him that no weapon formed against me would prosper. I started declaring to him that by his stripes I am healed. I started declaring to him that God wanted me to have a sound mind and that God was my fortress. To him I could run. I had word and I want to tell you because the word started going out from me, the devil started taking a hike. I'm here today to tell you there's power in the word of God. Second Timothy chapter three, I'm just about through. All scripture is profitable. Listen, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. And listen to what it says. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I wish that we had more moms and dads that when your child was doing something wrong, instead of you saying, I'm going to wear your hide out, your own restriction from now until Jesus comes. <laughs> I wish that there would be some moms and dads that did what my mom and dad did. There'd be times that my mom would sit me down and she would say, son, here's what the Bible says. Your dad and I choose to live by this book. We're not trying to be mean, but we're telling you this is the book that the Sims family is going to live by. And when you do this, you're not only violating what your mother and father have been trying to teach you, but you're violating this book. I want to tell you, it spoke to me. Even as a child, it spoke to me. It was more authority. I appreciate the authority of my mom and dad. I appreciate that they spoke their words. But when my mom pulled out this, because I had been taught that that book was the final authority. I, I feel like speaking to someone right now. I'm speaking into someone's spirit. Listen to me right now. The devil has been beating up someone this week. This week you, you, you've been going through turmoil in your spirit and in your mind. And I'm here today to tell you that it doesn't have to carry over into this week. Get 
a word into you. Get the scripture into you and start speaking that word to the enemy of your soul and let him know that what he says does not have to be the final verdict. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone received that right now. You take that word. You might say, preacher, I don't even know what scripture to go to. You come to me after church and we'll find a scripture and you, you write that thing down and you carry it with you. You pull it out of your wallet, pull it out of your purse or whatever it is and you just let the devil know with authority there, there's a new sheriff in town. I used to run scared. I used to run afraid but I found out that there's authority in this book and that's what I'm gonna hang my hat on. That's what I'm gonna believe in. No matter what the world says, this is what I'm going to believe. The psalmist in Psalms 107 and verse 20 tells us that there is healing in the word. Healing in the word. I believe that if we started using the word more in our prayers, we would start seeing more healings. We, uh, look here. It's good to give your opinion. There's intelligent people that I'm preaching to here today. You, you are educated and you, you're bright and, and you've got giftings, but the devil really doesn't care about that. What he does care is if you start using something called the word. When you come against the word. Now see, I have a word. My word is a human word. And it, it might make sense. But the devil doesn't mind bowing up against my word. But he does have a problem when I start carrying the word. When I start letting him know that thus says the word of God. This is the end of the discussion, devil. You're gonna have to get out of my face because I'm not going to listen to it. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The devil's out to try to destroy you. Boy, preacher, you sound like you're mad. I am angry at the devil. He sold us in America. He sold us in the world a bill of goods that this is just another good book. It has good literature. It has good poetry. It has good history in it. I want you to hear me today. It is more than a literary book. It is life. It is power. It is healing. There is victory in this word. This word is what you and I are going to win by. Then the word of God tells us in John chapter 17, verse 17. Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. There's a lot of people don't like to hear about sanctification. Sanctification means holiness. It means purity. Because people want to live like they used to live in sin and yet still go to heaven. And then there's a lot of people who they do want to get delivered and they do want help but for whatever reason they try to do it on their own means they try to do it with self-help programs thank god for the programs thank god for those who are involved in it but i i just want to tell you if, if you're battling in an area you're going to need jesus you can have all the aa you want but you better have a jesus in the middle of the aa 
Come on. You can check into the, to the finest rehab facility there is, but there better be a Jesus show up. Or either when you get out, you're going to find that same devil waiting on you. The same devil that beat you up before you got in is waiting to beat you up when you got out. But I'm here today to tell you with Jesus, the old weapon formed against you would prosper. He is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. I'm here today to tell you the word of God is sharp and powerful, more sharp and powerful than any two-edged sword. And we have these weapons at our disposal, but yet still we let it stay in our homes collecting dust. Stand with me, please. The Bible says, search the scriptures. For in them, you think you find life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.